revive dry bones. You restore life. You are the bringer of life and hope. Great are you, Lord.
He's greater than everybody's past in you.
Good morning, Alamo City family, streaming family, wherever you may be on God's green earth. We greet you. I greet you. I'm by myself this morning, except for some trout in this creek, and there might be a moose walk by, or hopefully there won't be a grizzly bear walk by. If any of that happens behind me, would you just wave, <laughs> wave your hand real big so I'll, I'll know, especially if it's one of those big old bears, time to pack up and get out of here, but bless you just thankful for this opportunity to be together in the in the presence of the lord though we're scattered all over the place there's not any place he isn't there's no place you or i will ever be where the lord jesus by his spirit is not right there i'm standing on the bank of the uh, middle fork as it's called the middle fork of the gallatin river the gallatin river flows out of uh, yellowstone national park and uh, it just flows down through an awesome stretch of country wild and woolly uh, Yellowstone National Park doesn't have any high fence around it. It's not like a zoo. So everything that lives in Yellowstone can find its way kind of where we are. We're about 20 miles northwest of the corner of that northwest corner of, um, of Yellowstone. So we're, we're within range of all those wild animals that the Lord created for his own pleasure and his delight. You know, and he's, he wanted us to know if, if, I, if I make the buffaloes or the bison, if I, if I can make the elk and I can make the the Rocky Mountain sheep, and I can, I can make the trout in the streams, how much more of a delight has it been to my heart, the Lord would say, to create you, 
to create you, fashioned in my own image, the image of God. And that's why every one of us, regardless of age, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of marital status, regardless of physical condition, we have been created in the image of God. And as a result of that, we are of infinite value to Him, and we should treat each other in that same way. Well, let me, let me ask you to go with me to a passage of Scripture that we have read and spent some time on at Alamo City over the years. But I just sense that in the light of what's going on in our country right now and all of the different things that can cause there to be reasons to be, to be bothered, to be worried, to, to have concern, it, it's just important to read again this, this medicine for anxious hearts. That's what I want to call it. I want you to look at it in that way with me. Medicine for anxious hearts. The Apostle Paul writes, and it's going to be found in that chapter that we've come to a number of times, the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. And here's where I want to start reading. Now, now we've got to keep in mind, the Apostle Paul is not in a penthouse somewhere. He, he's, not, uh, he's not in the, the lap of luxury. He's in a prison. He's in a Roman jail. His, um, his friends are far from him. He has to send these letters out just to communicate with the ones he cares about. He's not able to see their faces. It's not easy for him. The food probably isn't good. The, 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 the sanitation of the, of the jail cell where he is is, is, not, is is not up to any par of ours that we'd be used to. But in the middle of all of that, folks, in the middle of everything that's going on in his life, here is what the Spirit of Jesus causes to rise up within him. He's not trying to impress people. He's not trying to copy somebody. He's just speaking out of what's going on in his heart. And here's what he says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. For the Lord is near. Let me read that again. Regardless of what the physical, material circumstances may be in our lives, the instruction is, here's what you do. There is always going to be reason to rejoice in the Lord. There's nothing bad about Him. There's nothing weak about Him. There's nothing that isn't overflowing with love within Him. So Paul says, listen, you do what I do. You copy what I'm giving you instruction to do. You rejoice in the Lord. You may not be able to rejoice a whole lot in what's going on around you, but folks, everything that we can see in the natural, the Scripture will say is temporary. This grass I'm standing on, this creek bed that I'm next to, these, these fir trees and ponderosa pines that are all around here, they're temporary. Everything around you, in fact, Paul would write later and he would say, everything that can be seen, everything that can be seen is temporary. It's only the invisible that lasts forever. So everything about us, even the condition of our bodies, even the street address we live in right now or live at right now, it's all temporary. But the Lord, the Lord is permanent. The Lord's love is permanent. The Lord's heart for you is unchanging. His power never weakens. His sources of supply never diminish. If he just runs out of something, 
He has the power to call forth a fresh supply. He has the ability to create everything out of nothing. So here's what Paul is saying. Here's where his focus is. I'm not focusing on this jail cell. I'm not focusing on this temporary condition that is difficult and hard right now. I'm, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. That word Lord means sovereign over everything. Everything that has a name, everything that has a consistency comes in under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And again, I'll say rejoice. And then he says, on the basis of that, let your forbearing spirit. In other words, let the ability to put up with stuff, to endure stuff, to, to, to wait it out, wait until things change, but not be frustrated and, and confused and having this sense that, that this is the way it's always going to be. It's not always going to be this way. And he says, so in the light of that, you let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. You let people know, by the way, you carry yourself, that you're able to endure. And there's a reason that you can endure. It's because there's an understanding that everything that is seen is temporary. Only the things that are invisible are permanent. And the invisible Lord whom I cannot see is able to supply every need in any area that I can see. He's able to bring it forth. The Lord is near. He says that again. Here's why you rejoice. Because the Lord's not afraid. He's not ashamed. He, he's not going to walk away from prison if you happen to be in prison, if, you're, if you happen to be in a hospital room, if you happen to be in a difficult situation in a marriage or with your children or at your job. He said, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is right here. That's where we need to pray. Oh, Lord, will you open my eyes to be able to see you? I, I, I need to sense that you're, you are near. I, I get that in my brain. But I need to feel your presence. And that's why over all these months we've been saying that's why that prayer or how that prayer can change everything. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. It is the spirit of Jesus present at hand within us that allows us to know that he is near, that he is here. Jesus, fill me. Let me know, let me know, let me know that I'm not by myself. Let me know that because you're here, there's nothing impossible. There's no, no boundary that you cannot break through and breach. There's no bondage that you can't take away and out of my life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I just want just to say that again. It, it, it wouldn't be any big deal if Paul was saying this and, and he was speaking to people who had everything going well for them. Everything is smooth. There, were no, there was no opposition. But the early Christians, that first century group of followers of Jesus, they had no sympathetic government to them. They had no sympathetic overarching religious system that would, that would stand up for them and would cut them slack and allow them room to, to operate and to do what they wanted to do. That they were hated by the political authorities. They were questioned by them. What is this upstart new group? Are they going to be enemies to the state of Rome? So Rome came after them. The government came after them, but also the religious authorities. We're well familiar with that, 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 the, that, that the, the Jewish religious authorities 
considered followers of Jesus heretics and that they had been deluded and they were following the ultimate heretic, Jesus of Nazareth, who thought he was God, who, who played himself out, presented himself to be the Son of God. He would say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That freaked out the religious establishment. So they hated them. They, they came against them. What Paul is saying is here, is in this verse, is you need to understand, followers of Jesus, that no matter where you are, no matter how difficult the situation in the natural may be, no matter how pressing in and hard the current situation may be, the Lord Jesus Christ is right where you are. It won't matter what people are saying about you or things that are being done against you. You keep in mind, you keep your ears open, you keep your heart open to the fact that the Lord Jesus is near. He would say to the Gentiles, he would write in the book of Colossians, it is Christ in you that is your hope of glory. Jesus Christ is not still a baby in, in his mother's lap. He's still not dying on the cross. He is alive and out of the tomb. And because of his spirit being poured out on us on the day of Pentecost and the ensuing generations of the church who will understand that truth, now we can know that it is Christ within me, not Christ out there giving me instructions, not Christ out there just giving me an example to follow, but literally, actually, by His Spirit, alive inside my chest, alive and inside your chest and your heart and your mind. Christ in you is your hope of glory. So Paul says, on the basis of that, no matter if you're in a prison cell, in a hospital room, and in a, in, in a difficult situation of various dimensions, you choose to rejoice in the Lord. There may not be anything else much going on around you that evokes much joy, but you set your mind, you set your heart to think upon Jesus and read His Word and look to Him and remind yourself of how He has come through for you. Remind yourself how He has healed a broken heart. He's filled empty places. He's made a way when there wouldn't be no way, it seemed. And He has made provision in countless ways over the years. On the basis of that, I can rejoice in Jesus. I can rejoice in the Lord. Folks, that, it's, it's just important to understand. Paul wouldn't be saying this if that was an easy, natural, knee-jerk reaction to do on the basis of the circumstances going on in our lives. It's because in his setting, it made no sense to rejoice in the Lord. It would look like others look upon it. The Lord's left you. Look at you, Paul. You're penniless. You're miles away from family and friends. That You're in a hostile environment. You no telling what's going to come of you in the natural. And you're sitting there saying you're writing to us, rejoice in the Lord. Are you a crazy man? Are you a fool? <laughs> and Paul might just say, well, I am a fool for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to follow him and trust him and bless Him with the last breath that comes out of these lungs. I will trust Him, and I will rejoice in, rejoice in Him because I feel He's near. I sense He's near. The Lord is at hand. It, he, he doesn't state that as a, as a possibility, as something that is a future event. He just says, you look at that. Look how he wrote. The Lord is at hand. 
the Lord is near. He always referenced the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. Jesus to Paul was always referenced as Lord. The Lord Jesus is here. Folks, will you just take that in? Will you let that in? I know it sounds like the country's going crazy and medicine can't figure out a vaccine or a help for this, for, for this virus that, that's going on. And those things do not necessarily provoke rejoicing. But in the middle of all of that, Jesus has not left us. Jesus has not run out of ways to provide for his children. And he is not running out right now. So here's what he, Paul goes on to say. On the basis of those things that he just said, rejoice in the Lord. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. And then he gives this instruction. Powerful, strong, clear, impossible. It is an impossible instruction if we don't have help from the Spirit. Here's what he says in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, here's the medicine, here's the medicine, here's the medicine for anxious hearts. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now here's a man, get this again, here's a man. He's in a prison cell. He has an uncertain future. He has no attorney. He has nobody in the natural pleading his case. It is a hostile environment arrayed against him. He is alone. He's getting older up in years. We're not sure how old he would be, but he's not necessarily a young man anymore. There would be many places, many directions from which anxiety could work itself into Paul's heart. But here's what he says. He, and he's speaking, he's speaking of something that the Lord has spoken to him. That's why he could say it to us. Be anxious for nothing. In the middle of his life at that point in time, not after his lawsuit had been won, not after he had been released from prison, not after reconciliation or restoration with folks who were, who were at odds with him for various reasons, not then would there be the loss of anxiety, the, the, the cure of anxiety. Folks, it's ahead of time. It, it's before anything changes. This is the power of the work of the Spirit in your life. I'm telling you, it's what the Lord wants to do before it makes any sense for there to be peace. The Lord wants to show us how he can bring peace to our hearts. Here's how he does it. He says, you be anxious for nothing. Here's your anxiety. Here are the reasons for your anxiety. And then he says, here's what you need to do in everything, in every place, at every place where you're anxious every face that makes you anxious, every term that makes you anxious, every thought about the future and the uncertainty of the future that can cause you to be stirred up on the inside in everything, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to the Lord. He's saying you take every line item reason that you're anxious 
stimulus that makes you anxious and you turn that into a request to your father. You, you, what he said, whatever it is that is causing you anxiety, fear, hesitation, doubt, confusion, just a sense of, of, of giving up, whatever, whatever it is, whatever that emotion is that we could use the, the bigger term that causes us to be anxious, those things, those people, those pressures that come against us, he's saying you take those and you, you take them straight to the Lord. You, you don't, don't hold them. Don't, don't keep them. Don't be talking this way all the time about all the reasons that you're anxious and you're worried and you're scared, even though there's legitimacy to that, legitimacy to what you're feeling. But he says, here's what you do. Here's how you can get rid of the anxious places and, and their effect upon your life. You take those things that cause you to be anxious and you definitely, specifically, and even methodically take those things to the Lord. And as you take them to the Lord, you tell the Lord, you talk to the Lord about what you would wish that He would do with regard to those things. It's not that, that we're becoming God and just trying to, to all of a sudden manufacture answers that we would hope or wish. But when you take somebody who's on your case to the Lord, somebody who's after you, I mean, but Paul would have those, those, those jailers, he would, he would have the other authorities, that would be coming at the end, and their authority in a natural realm could cause him to be worried, could cause him to be anxious. But here's what he's saying. I take those guards to the Lord. I take the ones in, a char in authority over them. I take them to the Lord, and I lay them out before the Lord, and I ask the Lord to, to, to do what is in his heart to do with them. And he's, and he's saying that as that happens, as you do that, as you make a habit out of doing that, then what the Lord does is He will swap your anxiety for His peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Do you know that right now at this moment with everything that's going nuts and crazy in our country, for that at this point in time, the Lord is at perfect peace. He sees and knows more about potentials, more about, about complicated issues, more about the hearts of men and women than you and I will ever know. He knows it now. There's not going to be anything going on in the United States of America or in this world or in this world that is going to surprise him. He knows it. He knows it. And yet, there is peace in the Lord's heart because he knows how it's all going to turn out. He's the one who's got history in his hand. History literally is his story. And He is the one who has the power to cause all things, all things, what part of all things do we don't get? To cause all things to work together for good in the hearts and lives of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. It is the peace of God that, that Paul is saying here. It's, it's, 
It's a supernatural transfer. The Lord will take your anxiety if you will be specific and you will be consistent and you will be persistent in unloading the things, the places, the people, the terms, the whatever it would be. You keep unloading those under the Lord, making your request as you see a particular way that you would desire for it to go. Then it's not that the Lord is going to punish us for making a request to Him. If it's not in accordance with His heart and His will and His timing, He doesn't have to answer it. But He wants His children to talk to Him and to speak to Him. And here's the amazing thing that Paul's saying, that the peace of God will come to guard your heart and your mind, and there's no, no statement necessarily that anything that you've talked to the Lord about and asked Him to deal with has necessarily changed. It may not be time. For there to be the total, thorough kind of breakthrough that you would wish for and long for in certain settings. There may not be the complete and immediate recognition of a vaccine that's going to take care of the COVID-19 as soon as you ask the Lord. But here's what Paul says. You, you make your requests. And it's requestings, it, your, your askings. It, it's a present active participle. It means you just, you just keep on asking. Every time the anxious place comes up, Every time the anxious place comes up, you take it to the Lord and you attach your request to it. And then it says, as you do that, He will swap out, He will swap out your anxiety, your felt anxiety for His peace. Now, folks, i got to stop because it's starting to rain. I'm calling these showers of blessings. Mercy dropped. You remember that old song? Mercy drops round us are falling. But for the showers, we plead. I'm going to have to head for shelter here and pack all this stuff up. God bless you. If Philippians 4, 6, and 7, hold on to it. It's medicine. It's medicine for an anxious soul. Amen. God bless you. All right, I'm back. It, it, it quit raining. There's another shower headed this way. But i got about five more minutes. If you'll just stay with me before we have to, we have to make a run for it, I, I want you to do it. Remember what we were just saying. Paul is saying the way there can be a swapping out of that which causes you to be anxious with the peace of God, God's peace settling into your heart that will end up being a garrison, a guard around your, your mind and your emotions and your heart. When those things try to come at you again, there will be a sense of the peace of the Lord so strong that even though things haven't changed, even though the, the breakthrough hadn't completely come, it won't matter. The timing won't matter. You won't have to know how many more days, how many more weeks, how many more months because the peace of God is guarding your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Folks, listen. Please hear this. The Lord allows difficult seasons in the lives of His children not because He delights in seeing us squirm and worry and stay up all night. He will allow those things and not immediately keep all, keep the enemy and the opposition away because He wants us to understand how close, how real, how powerful, how dear to us He truly is. And He wants us to know that. That even when the things in the natural are not easy, that they don't make sense, they, they, they can cause us to be perplexed in different ways. And we can look at our own resources and say, I don't know how we're going to make it. 
It is there, it is right there that the Lord is wanting us to know that He is able to give to us exactly what it is we need. Now, if it has to do with bread for the next day, He can provide manna like He did for the children of Israel. But if it is just about being worried about how things are going to turn out, it, it may be a while before every all of the circumstances are settled in such a way that we would be able to have a, have, have a loss of anxiety just because we can in the natural see everything straightened out. You don't, you don't have to have the Spirit of God alive in you in order for that kind of thing to work out, but for it to be that even before the prayers are completely answered, even while there are still questions in the natural and hesitations, the Lord has the ability to so smother your places of anxiety with the sense of His peace that it can cause you to come. And some of you can say this. Some of you say, Pastor, that's the truth. So there can come a, it's a strange thing that, that we can so enjoy, be blessed by the sense of the Lord's presence and knowing of His provision in unusual ways in the tough places that it's almost like it's a sad thing when things begin to change and things begin to lighten up because the nearness of God, David would say, the nearness of God is my good. And it's just the way of it, of it with the human race that, that sometimes, so often it can be that we're not really seeking Him. We're not really desiring His presence closely when things are going smoothly and going well for us. So the Lord allows certain things he has the power to stop it, but when he chooses not to, it's because he's going to cause that to work together for good in your life and in my life. Now, all that being said, uh, there, there's, a, there's just a fire that is burning in my heart to try to cry out to the church in America in particular to say, it's time for us to step into our place of spiritual access, of spiritual authority, if you will, to call upon the Lord in these days where our cities are troubled, where our leaders are, are at each other's throats and all kinds of stuff is being, being said and, and, and prophesied and, and, and fear seems to be the, the, the order of the day. It is time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to realize what we have been given in this place of prayer. We, 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 we offer up the things that are bringing anxious places to us. The Lord promises to give us peace in return. But here's what else He promises to do, and this is the way He instructed us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Matthew 6, 9, hallowed be your name, holy is your name. And then that statement, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have, and have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Jesus said when you need to pray, when you need to pray about the big picture things. He's already said the small picture things, the things that make you anxious, you unload them in detail before the Lord. You attach every request that's in your heart as a child to attach it as you petition the Father. And what the promise is, 
there may yet be time, as we've said, there may be yet be time before the complete answer comes, but it doesn't matter because His peace supernaturally fills you. Here is instruction, however, for the bigger picture. Father, 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 into and upon the United States of America, I'm asking you to bring your kingdom. I'm asking you for your will to be done in this nation. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would deliver us from the evil one. We can spend all our time sitting in front of a TV set night after night or reading what comes up on the most recent news feed on our laptop or on our phone, and we can end up being sucked into the cesspool of fear that is marking so many of our countrymen in this day and time. When all along the Lord would be saying to His church, I put you, I allowed you to live. I caused you to be born into the United States of America knowing that you would come of age and these things would be happening around you. And they're happening around you because I, I believe the Lord would say, I want you to be in agreement with me for what my will is for the future of the nation and for the souls of men. I want you to be praying in the middle of everything that's going on. Lord, bring your kingdom. As we've said many times, Jesus would say the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not going to be seen at a place or in a building or at a statue. The kingdom of God at this point in time is going to be found in the hearts of people. Why? That's where King Jesus will be ruling and reigning. You can't have a kingdom unless you have a king. Can I say that one more time for the five millionth time? You, you can't have a kingdom unless you have a king. So when Jesus is instructed, you pray, Lord, bring your kingdom. What he's saying is you ask the Lord to bring that work of his spirit into the hearts of men and women, the presence of Jesus the king. Oh, my goodness. You look back over the scripture and you look at that hard-hearted, self-filled, cruel man named Saul of Tarsus. But when Jesus the king called his name out of the blue, uninvited, not wanted, but just because Jesus knew it was time to save Saul, to rescue Saul, and he called him by name, and Saul's eyes were open, and he received Jesus as who he truly was and still continues to be. Jesus brought his kingdom to Saul's heart. He became Paul and ended up writing two-thirds of your New Testament. Folks, listen. There's nobody, there's nobody in a position of political authority or in financial authority or military authority or social influence there is nobody who is so strong that when Jesus demands an audience with them, they will not respond. That's where we come in. That's where we come in. We don't know all of the movers and shakers. Even if we knew the movers and shakers, we don't have the power to change the heart. 
Jesus does. And we've been given the instruction. Here's what you do. You pray for my kingdom, my kingdom, the presence of the king, to move into the hearts of those who are in leadership over you. That would be our president. That would be the elected officials of every level. That would be our judges. That would be anyone you can name. Come by kingdom. Church, church of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't lay down your nuclear weapon. Don't lay down your nuclear weapon. Can I say it one more time? Don't lay down your nuclear weapon in this time of war when Satan is trying to tear our country apart. We have the nuclear weapon in the name of Jesus, and it is the prayer, Lord, bring your kingdom. He doesn't have to have a key to their house. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to wait for an invitation. He, he doesn't have to come on the basis of a vote. He can just show up when it's time to show up, and he knows. And it's not about destroying anybody. It's about rescuing them. It is about bringing them into the fullness of what life can be when he, Jesus, is in the throne, in the throne room and sitting on the throne in their hearts. Jesus, bring your kingdom. As you see these names, I'm telling you, we, we've got, we need to pray that for Donald Trump. We need to pray that for Joe Biden as he continues to be the, the other main candidate. But on and on and on and on we'll go. You see their faces. The Lord has you alive now. We're not living in the 1860s. We're not living when... when uh, Travis drew the line and the battle of Alamo was fought. We're living now. And we're called upon to pray, believing that when we ask him, Lord, bring your kingdom, he'll do it. Here's the other part. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Lord, what is your heart? Do that. What is your heart? That's what I'm asking you. Folks, listen. Between now and that election in November, we need to be found with our hearts opened up before the Lord. Lord, you're the one who knows the hearts of all men. You're the one who knows who's to be in charge, who's to be in leadership in this nation at this point in time. And I'm asking you to cause your will to be done. If you will pray that way, if you will go on record and regularly pray that way, Lord, I'm agreeing with you. What you want, what you want for the United States of America in this election in November 2020 and in all the various aspects that will be influenced by this election, I'm asking you, I'm calling upon you to bring forth your will, your will. Here's what will happen. You'll wake up on Wednesday morning after that Tuesday vote has been taken, and regardless of who the winners are, you will know in your note that you did what the Lord asked you to do, and that was to agree with him. He's the only one smart enough to know who needs to be in the position of authority. The scripture will say he sets down one king and he raises up another king. He has used ungodly, cruel men, dishonest, lying men, and even women over the years to bring about things that at, at the time, at the point, Nebuchadnezzar being a prime example, cruel, pagan, godless, the first and only king allowed to ravage, 
Jerusalem other than when the Romans came in 70 AD. But as a result of what happened to Jerusalem in 586 BC, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were hauled off to Nebuchadnezzar. And in Nebuchadnezzar's closest circle, there came to be the presence of this young man named Daniel, who had the power of God all over him. He had the ability to see things that no one else could see and interpret things that no one else could interpret. And Nebuchadnezzar's heart was open to Daniel. Daniel was taken from destroyed Jerusalem to the center of a pagan kingdom. And so profound was his influence on Nebuchadnezzar, the godless, cruel dictator king, that Nebuchadnezzar, at certain points in the scripture, in the, in the, the recalling of Daniel's life, would rise up to say, it's Daniel's God that is the true God. It's Daniel's God that is the true king. You, you wouldn't have picked Nebuchadnezzar out of any kind of lineup to be God's choice for that season. God is bigger than the man. God is bigger than the man. Can I say that again? God is bigger than the man. He is Lord. He is king. He is over all. And we as his people, we as those who have received Jesus as Savior and Lord, are called upon, are called upon to just agree with him. We don't have to have it all figured out. He knows the end from the beginning. But our role on this planet is to steadily be saying, Lord, I'm planted. You put me here on this earth. And I'm agreeing with you. I'm asking you, bring your will. Cause your will. Cause your will. Cause your will to be done in our nation, in our states, in our city. Would, would, you, would you join with me in that? Medicine for anxious hearts is not to just keep holding on to those anxious places and trying to get more news and input laterally in order for that anxiety to be eased. Here's the instruction. Here's the medicine for the places of anxiety. You take every one of those places as often as they come, from whatever direction they come, that which causes you to be anxious, and you specifically give them to the Lord and attach your requests, whatever they would be, to that. And you keep doing it until something happens. What is it? That the anxiety begins to lift, begins to dissipate, and peace begins to rise in your heart. God, his presence, the spirit of Jesus becomes bigger in your heart than that point of anxiety. And then the next thing, I'm asking you to join me, to join me into it all over, wherever you are, around the world, across the country, church of the living God, take up that thermonuclear weapon, which is the prayer in the name of Jesus, Lord, bring your kingdom to the hearts of our leaders, to the hearts of men and women, to ones that matter to us or ones that are distant to us. But Lord, you know their places of authority. You know what is going on in our land. You know what is needed. And I'm asking you to bring your, to make the presence of Jesus known to them and within them. And then Lord, the outcome I put in your hand, that your will, your will, your heart, your will.
for our nation at this time would be done. There's, there's so many stories in American history when the church would get their eyes off of what the intimidating, complicating factors were, as serious as they were, as deadly potentially as they were. But the church, those who truly know Jesus as Savior and Lord, began to turn their eyes up toward heaven and just began to pray, Lord, bring your kingdom to the hearts of people, even the ones that we don't agree with, and especially the ones that we would feel like oppose what we would stand for and what you would want. Lord, we're praying that you would bring your kingdom to them. Bless them, Lord, with what you know they need, and that is the presence of Jesus in their hearts. And then, Lord, we're praying for your will to be done. Give us grace, give us strength to hold steady as we try to work this, as we, as we follow this thing through and ride this horse out. But we want your will, Lord. We want your will. We want your will for that election in November. In the name of Jesus, bring about your will. Join me. Join me, Church of America. Let's link our arms and our hearts and let's call out and just pray back to Jesus the very words that he gave to us to pray. Lord, bring your kingdom. Lord, cause your will to be done. Lord, deliver us from the evil. And I believe, and I know you can join me in this, I believe that we will see the Lord at work and we will sense things happening in the hearts of people. The tones of voices can change. The perspectives can, can you know, some can, that the one, somebody the Lord's really working on and they were really locked on to one perspective and they're hard after that. And, and after a while, you just been, and it sounds like a BB rattling around in a tin can. They're saying the same stuff, but you know they don't mean it. <laughs> you know they don't believe it. That can be the work of the Spirit, doing a, heart, a work in the heart of bringing the Lord's truth, the Lord's mercy, what is right in His sight, bringing His kingdom into the hearts of people. Amen. All right, I'm going to stop now and run for cover. It's coming. God bless you. God bless you. Let's stand together in this place of prayer. And let's keep unloading these anxious places. You may have to do that every day. You may have to do that a hundred times in a day. You keep unloading until you feel his peace fill your heart. Amen. God bless you. Love you. We'll talk again next week. Amen.